Welcome, Dan. Thanks for having me. No formalities. It's just going to be, this is called Ramblings of a Madman, hence the self-stigmatisation, which brings me on to an interesting fact. Did you know, and I'm sure you did know this, that homosexuality was considered a mental illness until 1970? Wow. In the diagnostic statistical <laughs> of mental health disorders. No, seriously. Uh, no, but I, I say that more from a standpoint is... That wasn't that long ago, really, yeah. when we talk about it. But I wanted to talk to you because I've known you from my whole of my adult life. And I've obviously read your book, which is, look, a shameless plug there for anyone watching, Gay Man Talking. And I read this with mixed emotions, which I've told you about already. Positive, I think, because as long as I've known you, firstly as friend, then housemate, turned journalist, now author, a lot of the conversations you're encouraging people to have in that. I haven't even had those conversations with you. So I had a mixture Bad of well, Bad friends. partly, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, because I had admiration at the vulnerability and the openness you share that. So like huge respect for everything that you shared there, but also a little bit of guilt. Like I know things like your coming out story and probably stuff that I had almost bypassed as things that didn't occur to me because they're not important to me because they're just not, might have appeared to you as me not caring about those things. So I've only known you, not because of your sexuality, but because you're you're just Dan. And it just so happens to be your sexual preference is what it is. Yeah. Which I understand also from a heterosexual point of view is a bit of a privileged thing because I've never really thought about my sexuality. Mm. I've never had a huge sense of identity attached to it. I've never obviously been through the things that you have. I've never been ridiculed, bullied or anything like that. And it made me think about how much, in terms of conversation, I've missed out just from talking to you. I think it's one of those weird things, though, because it's quite nice to hear you say you just know me as Dan, because that's all I wanted all along, like for my whole life, actually. And so often I wasn't referred to as just Dan, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. I was referred to as gay Dan or Mm -hmm. the gay best friend or... um, loads of different titles that I wasn't comfortable with. And I think that's the thing that I kind of clinged on to, this sort of feeling that um, actually everyone was branding me, but no one was really just seeing me. Yeah. And I think that's what I found really uncomfortable growing up as a gay guy. And um, I think that's the thing. And yeah, you reference like obviously having these conversations, but it's probably my fault because I hadn't had these conversations deliberately. Um, and growing up, I didn't feel, and a lot of people do feel comfortable now, especially in this day and age, but I didn't feel comfortable with being gay. Um, I'm not sure if you um, can see that now. I think you're comfortable <laughs> now. I'm a lot more comfortable, um, but I still have, like, I still actually, um, on the train today, I zipped up my coat, mm-hmm. and because um, obviously I'm wearing something that is a little bit out there and can obviously divide opinion. But I think growing up, I definitely had that sense of, I'm not sure who I am, even though I knew when I obviously realized that I was a gay guy, I still didn't really know who I was. And so coming out was um, something that was uncomfortable, but necessary. And then I thought, right, I just want to get on with it. I want to sweep everything under the carpet, move forward. I don't want to be known as gay damn. And that's what I was constantly branded as gay best friend. And the girls always like innocently would joke or say things like that, not in a horrible way, just mm. in a, an affectionate way. But it killed me. Like and it really hurt. Um so all my life I just kind of ran from it. And then all of a sudden 
had this wonderful opportunity to do the book um, because I wrote an article about being the gay best friend and how um, it has lots of toxic um, connotations. And I had to sit down and have all these conversations. And it was the best thing that ever happened for me and for everyone around because I finally breathed um, after like carrying this burden for so long. Mm. And I suppose like so what we speak to you there, a sense of guilt that came from that is I've probably been a bystander to a lot of that because being of the same social group and things like that is I'm Dan, you're Dan, gay Dan, Dan. Like I, again, like it wouldn't have even registered in my head as a big deal. So yeah. to read that actually was quite hurtful to you did make me feel like a bit of a terrible friend because I, I, I hadn't really thought about it because for me at the time it was just a, a harmless differentiator which I kind of just as a bystander just saw you get on with which my assumption falsely was just you were okay with it and obviously not i think that that's a it's such a weird thing because 100 percent like i understand who my friends are and who um would be saying things maliciously i mean i went through obviously it's in the book bullying um, and different things and i understand who calls me a name versus who calls me something affectionately i get that totally so never when any of the the group were saying, oh, gay Dan, because we're both Dan. So obviously it's the, we joke with each other anyway. And there's it's a lot harmless, of It's harmless, but almost it's like, why, why is that the one thing to differentiate us? But it's crazy as not well, blonde, though. Not blonde Dan, not dark-haired Dan. Yes, yeah, good-looking yeah. Dan. Well, obviously both of us. <laughs> 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 Do you like that stealth escape? Yeah, yeah. I like the silence. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that it was something that was a problem that I had, like, and I didn't vocalise, which was the first mistake. And second of all, I just was seen by it. And all I kept on feeling, it stems back actually to younger, before you guys, actually, the partners, um, when the girls um, who obviously I love, um, I cl I've claimed a lot of times in interviews and in the book that they rescued me. And I really do believe that. Like if I didn't have them, um, I've spoken very openly I don't know where I'd be or if I'd be here um I'm not actually 100% sure because I went for a very tough time um but they were fiercely protective of me but also wanted to embrace the fact that I was gay so I think a lot of the time they would you know like say this is my gay best friend have you got a problem with it and all of that sort of stuff because they wanted to show me that they were okay with it which is actually when you think about it really lovely but all it kept on doing inside of me is just branding me gay mm. and and highlighting of, there's a difference yeah. as well yeah and i think like for a long time i lost my identity and my identity was the token gay and literally it was like and actually i really struggled and i lost a lot of like um, actually my personality and stuff because I put on an act for so long um, and it wasn't until actually like sitting down and actually having these conversations and not just sharing what my feelings were but also hearing like I speak to obviously my parents different people in the book and hearing actually their thoughts and how they dealt with different things and how they wanted to help or how they wanted to be and the thing is unless you're having these conversations or reading books or writing about it like no one's going to know. No one's going to understand. No one's going to know how you feel. And it's the same in all walks of life. You have to have different conversations, awkward, cringeworthy, um, and tell people how you're feeling because otherwise you're going to go through life a closed version of yourself, which is unfortunately what I did and what so many people in the LGBTQ plus community do. They do actually go through life 
closeted or closed or only revealing some of themselves mm -hmm. and that is what I'm trying to encourage people to do to sort of join the conversation and have these like awkward chats and stuff because it's actually really cathartic I know we um like spoke before about it but it's such a process and such a journey and I feel so much lighter for it mm. I do think there's something incredibly powerful and obviously I can't compare it to the same scale that you have but the way you formalise a thought and then actually articulating that in your words and seeing those words reflected back at you, it kind of solidifies how important those experiences was at that were at that time. Yeah. And I think that part of that, I'll reference quite often, that strength in speaking narrative is that it's hugely courageous, I think, to have the vulnerability to go to people and, and, and speak to them. But also that you kind of reference there is you can't just take for granted that we know what people are thinking. So unless we're actively bringing up and instigating those conversations which is why I wanted to do this really mm. because I think of times gone by there's nothing that consciously I can honestly say and I did think about it reflectively like was that a conversation I was avoiding I don't think I was I just it wasn't something I felt that was that important to you because if I'd known it was important which I now understand from reading your book was mm. hugely important to you it was a conversation I would have had that conversation but I wouldn't that's the problem I was avoiding those conversations mm. like I feel almost bad in a way because a lot of people share the sort of opinion and thought that you have um and I feel almost bad because loads of people have said to me I'm sorry or um I didn't realize you felt like that all of this stuff but it's my fault really because I would never have been prepared to have this conversation these conversations back then because it just highlighted my gay and I just do not want to do that sort of thing. I do not want to do that <laughs> but I really decided like, and actually someone asked me this um, in my in my publisher and um, they said, there's a lot, this is like going through obviously the final sort of manuscript, there was, there's a lot of you in this and um, I was just like, and they were just, you need to be prepared that this is like, this is telling the world sort of all of these sort of oh, things. It's incredibly vulnerable. There's yeah. loads, yeah, there's loads, yeah. And... I was just like, yeah, I think it's the only way. Like, I, I genuinely believe, and I was so scared for it to come out um, and people to read it, and I was so anxious, and I was, you go you go through this really weird process, I think, obviously, you you write as well, and when someone reads your stuff, you, you hope that they get what you mean, um, or you hope that they take something away from it or can relate to something, but you also really just hope that they like it and that hope that it resonates with people. And I think that because there was so much of me in it and it was very truthful in the sense of you're getting the me that isn't the fantastic me when you're on a date with me. <laughs> the best version. <laughs> yeah. You're getting like every version of me, which is scary because there's obviously a lot in that book that I don't really want people to know, but it was essential to obviously go through to, because I made a real commitment to the book in the sense of, I knew that I needed to tell everything. Otherwise, if you tell half, it's not going to have the same effect. And so it was really important and really hard. And I mean, the conversations in it were hard to have. And some of them have sparked um, sort of further conversations, which is really good. Um, but it's definitely a process and definitely like something that you, I've chucked my whole self into it. So now I can only step out of the shadow and be myself. So it's actually forced me to sort of come to terms with the fact that I am gay. And I actually think, like, in a weird sense, perhaps I've been walking around for years not accepting that. Mm. 
That's really interesting because I think radical acceptance is something that everyone has to deal with at some point, yeah. as well as their identity. Identity is a huge part of us on a basic human primitive level, I think. But that self-acceptance, and especially what you refer to then, and having those difficult conversations, because the reality of having those difficult conversations is they might not go the way you want them to. 100%. Have you, have you had any experience of that from, from Do you your know writing what? book? I mean, conversations um, about love. Um, I obviously speak with an ex and the ex isn't named in there, um, which is the only person in the book that isn't named. Basically every conversation that I had, I had to get them to sign a waiver because otherwise they could sue me. Sure. <laughs> so, kind of um, deal, yeah. and on uh, conversations with, um, about love, um, I spoke to an ex and they said, yep, they're happy to be named. They're happy to sort of go through it. Um, and everyone agreed not to read before it was published. Um, which is in the contract. Um, so it's quite a, like, um, obviously, you know what you're, it's like this interview sort of thing. You know sort of what you're saying, but you can't always remember. And you, no one is prepared for how it's Edit actually... that bit out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Cut. Um, but no one's prepared to see, like, after an interview in written words. Mm -hmm. It's very, uh, my background is as a journalist, and I know I've had loads of complaints about interviews that I've done in the past because people get worried about how they come across on print versus in an interview. It's very different. Um, and the ex um, that's referenced in that chapter um, just decided um, before it was launched, no, I want to actually be anonymous, which everyone had the opportunity to be. Um, and actually since, um, I'm not sure if they've read it. I think they probably have, but they have stopped talking to me. Okay. Um, so it has sort of like, I don't know if it's the book or it's that something they don't want to sort of approach, but in having that conversation it has obviously either closed a door or um which we were friends anyway so that's fine um but i think the conversations themselves have been really awkward and i actually was um uh, on a panel recently and someone asked me do you encourage people to have these conversations um themselves and i said yes but with care like i'm trying to encourage people to talk um and that's what the book is trying to do but there's different um, scenarios that it isn't easy to talk. In the parent chapter, I reference a lovely guy called Mufseen, um, and he went through something which is unimaginable with his family, and they didn't accept him. And so it's not always a safe place to sort of tell your truth and talk, but what I would encourage people to do is talk where you can find your because i mean in the lgbtq plus community we often have this saying which is um family is also your chosen family because a lot of um, family doesn't accept who you are um so i encourage everyone to just be open and talk about um themselves to whoever they can but yeah you definitely get it's a mixed bag it's a mixed bag of who you speak to i mean our friends having read it have all come back with lots of views and opinions i haven't admittedly i haven't heard any i've, I've kind of I, I like to take a t entirely objective view i've read it myself and that's why i kind of wanted to formalize my own thoughts mm. and have a chat with you well thank you for reading it well i, I could not i couldn't go ahead being one of those gorillas you reference those yeah homophobic gorillas no i don't think i am <laughs> one of those but we perhaps we can get back to that but the, what you say there especially um, when you talk about written text 
I forget the guy's first name, quite, a, I'm sure someone correct me if they listen to this, is there was a researcher from the 70s by something Hall and his theory around encoding and decoding. Okay. And especially when it comes to written word is that we have this encoding process. So it's our thought and intention behind words. Mm. And then everyone individually has their decoding process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So communication them. always occurs on the terms of listener. Your intent isn't yeah. always what's taken on by other people. And that's based on their, their biases, their mood that day, how they've woken up, you know, mm. all of those different things. So... I think naturally with text, and we see it on social media all the time, but social media is a terrible place to debate because everyone has their own agenda. Everyone 100%. extrapolates whatever they want to on that. So there is a huge amount of trust and risk that go with that, yeah. which I think is, is commendable. But you were saying about you know picking your family and things like that. It, it's definitely context-specific, but there's always, as you said, that self-acceptance thing that... Yeah. If it is your truth and you feel comfortable and safe, because safety is a factor as well, sharing that message with your loved ones, it is the consequence of that might be that it will radically affect those relationships forever. Hundred percent, and I think that's that's something that's so key. Um, It's it's the same I I would assume for um, any sort of um, sexuality or um, human, um, but any conversation that is a huge part of your life, be it um, sexuality, mental health. Um, any life-changing decisions um, if you have those conversations with anyone it is going to change because you're being vulnerable you're being real um, which is something my dad said actually for years he had felt that I hadn't been Um, and it is going to change dynamics it's going to change and you have to be prepared um, for negative and positive and unfortunately that just comes with any conversation you have that's kind of hard mm. um, and that's something that has and like I say yeah when people read it and especially the written word even some of the non-conversations and my opinion and stuff people have really taken it like hey you've said this I don't agree and mm. it really does like divide opinion so you ha- kind of have to have a bit of a thick skin about it as well and think okay well this is just one view like this is not just obviously everyone's story Um but yeah, people do definitely interpret things differently and mm. it's definitely weird having conversations with people. Yeah, I guess that must be really challenging. If you've got that objective account of something that's happened, and again, it's based on that individual, how they read that, yeah. especially if, if it's one of those individuals you spoke about having to sign a document. Is, oh my God, yeah. Are they, are they already feeling a bit defensive before they've even read it? Because if you feel defensive already, yeah. and you see something mildly that feels like an attack. Yeah, my mum. <laughs> really? <laughs> she was... She, my mum is such a, obviously a huge supporter, um, but she obviously had the interview and she was really emotional actually during the interview. She was really teared up a few times actually because there's a lot, obviously when you're discussing and I was telling my mum how I felt at the time because my mum went through her own sort of journey, but a lot of the time it came across that she sort of wasn't comfortable with me being gay, which is absolutely fine as well. It's fine to not be comfortable, but talk about it, like have those conversations. Um, and I think she got really upset, actually, because we'd never sort of discussed that. And perhaps that was part of my fault. Um, and then when she read it back and read the, the read the book, um, she said it's really hard sometimes because she, everyone worries about how they come across. Like, that's just a natural thing. It's not um, a vanity thing. It's a real, like, thing, like, you're putting something out there. Um, and I think my mum was concerned as well because she obviously didn't, doesn't want people to perceive her as something that she's not. She's a very accepting person. Um, but obviously she went through a period of her life where she didn't realise 
perhaps how she was coming across. And that's why also these conversations are so important. And I really have been sort of like saying out loud a long time that this isn't a book just for the community. This is a book for the allies as well, because everyone needs to sort of understand, like you were saying about, oh, you never knew about um, branding and stuff like that I was okay with being called Gay Dan or whatever. Um, and I think it's really important for like allies and other people in the um, outside of the community to read this sort of literature um, and realise like how people are feeling because mm -hmm. we've got to understand each other and that's that's life as well. We've just got to keep on sharing messages and support. Well, I think you speak to there a little bit about self-awareness. I think no matter how self-aware we believe we are, we've all got blind spots. Oh, 100%. So it does take yeah. for someone to have those, un again, those uncomfortable conversations sometimes because... I think sometimes, and I can certainly reflect back on loads of them, is you think and you're behaving in a certain way and someone's like, hang on, what's going on with you? Yeah. And I have to step back and go, oh, actually, I need to check myself there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I have the tendency to go deep. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, <laughs> sorry. That, that's you. That's not me. That's you. I accept no responsibility for that. But like, and I love a deeper, meaningful conversation sometimes. And I think that sometimes you can fall into a trap of just surface level chat and especially when you're at a party or something like that you don't no one wants the heavy conversations and mm. stuff and i think that so often we forget that we've got to no 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 i've got to tell you about this like because i haven't and it's so true not just about sexuality but about mental health about like how we're feeling and um, there's obviously the common thing where people re respond I'm fine which doesn't really mean I'm fine um, and I think it's so we forget so often to actually have a good chat rather than a surface level chit chat mm -hmm. um, which is fine for parties or speed dating well, it's, it's fine for so, I, think, I think that's fine for some people in general yeah. uh, certainly something I've been guilty of because I know when just speaking about my own mental health is sometimes I have been that one to put on a mask and you do have yeah. those surface level chats when actually you're kind of crying out for some real human connection someone to be vulnerable with and I think we spoke a little bit about having the communication skills have those conversations but I also think something that's not really acknowledged or spoken about is you know are people equipped with the listening skills yeah because when so you true. when you are in that position I think sometimes and you do desperately want to share something last thing you want to do is be consoling someone else yeah. for dealing with you yeah, absolutely. because some, some people just don't have that skill. And I don't necessarily mean that as a negative on people. It's just as any other skill, it's something that we have to develop. And I think sometimes we listen as a way, means of waiting for opportunity to speak rather than listening to understand people. Mm. Do you know what? That's so true. I think that's fascinating as well. And I think that's actually why um, obviously American culture have a lot um, in like looking for a psychiatrist, a shrink or whatever. Um, um, they've ridiculed a little bit about how often they do this sort of thing, but therapy is actually such a huge um, common growing thing here as well, because I think having that outlet for someone to listen and who's trained to listen to you and to release and let go is such a good thing. And I think that it's something that shouldn't be sort of like frowned upon or ridiculed. It's really good to talk and it's really hard to listen. I think you're really um, correcting what you're saying and you've got to find the right person. Um, and I think that's so important. Again, like in writing the book, I think it's it's something that there's so many conversations and feelings that I had that I don't think I could have verbalised at the time. And writing them down and actually expressing them, 
hopefully I've had a lot of brilliant and incredible comments from people who have just said it's like you sort of crept into my mind and wrote how I was feeling thank you and stuff which is so lovely and I'm not looking for val validation from people but it's so nice that other people have those sort of feelings and we all need to express them and I think it's so important to like be a good listener just as much as a good sort of talker and so yeah you've got to have those conversations definitely but what you say there is validation I think that's just a basic human need is to be 100%. seen heard understood which I, again well I think talk therapy is so good and speaking to the right people because I think everyone can possibly think of an example we have a conversation with someone and they can't focus on you their eyes are flitting around the room yeah. or they just glaze over waiting for their opportunity to speak but actually yeah, yeah. again someone that's trained to listen acknowledging what you're going through validating your experience and understanding from that standpoint not necessarily to confirm or deny that you're in the right or wrong but just to take that on board just be a sounding board yeah and like i think i feel like as well you're really right in the sense of like actually people sort of understanding it and I read this really interesting thing that sometimes the best thing you can do is be silent and I really love silence now I used to absolutely hate it especially on dates um but depends on the circumstances right yeah <laughs> well, when do you want silence well, are silence? you having a good time <laughs> yeah exactly no one needs that eye contact <laughs> um but it said like the power of silence as a response is really interesting and um a lot of people feel the silence um, from awkwardness or um, which I definitely do um, or uncomfortable feelings of like, oh, I've got to say something sort of thing. But sometimes actually just like the silence of a response and a nod or something like that actually just verifies. Yeah, no, I'm here still. Do you know what I mean? And like what you're saying is important. I want to listen. And I think like that's the other thing. I think we we cut people off so often um, and we're time poor. We're like mm. literally a nation that's time poor or looking at our social devices or whatever. And I'm just as guilty. Um, so I think it's really about like having conversations, listening to people and being responsive in the correct and right way. And sometimes that response is nothing. It's a hug. Yeah, totally. And that's something I've been incredibly conscious of because... I think sometimes as well, people, they, they just want to vent. They don't want advice. So yeah. I always try to clarify that now as in, do you want to vent or, or do you want my opinion on that? Because yeah. the last thing you want sometimes when you're venting to someone, you just want to shout, holler, call someone names, then just go, have you tried this? Like, no, 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 I'm not asking for advice now. I just want you to listen. Yeah, that's so true. Sometimes you just like need to have your round and then be done. Mm -hmm. Or like whatever your outlet is. Yeah. Sex. Well, all that. That's a really good outlet. I've read that chapter as well. Oh, it's fine. It's just things that, again... It wasn't too graphic, was it? It wasn't too graphic, but I, I, I read that more from a... I don't, I don't even think uh, I had an agenda, but I guess like a curiosity standpoint, because things like douching, <laughs> for example, nothing I'd ever considered, nothing that I've ever mm -hmm. had to think about. But something that you do. So just the, I guess, like the... the I dare you to, I dare you say that. Something you do. <laughs> well, well, according to your book, I you do. today. Well, according to your book, you do. But no, like I do. as in... And rightly so. You I'll, do not want to not do. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I've been in that scenario and it's not pleasant. <laughs> Save that one. <laughs> I can only imagine. That's a very good yeah. Dan, I'm really glad that you went on. I'm glad I brought this but... up. No, but I was just I, I was thinking it more from like a, a cognitive load point of view. Of all the other things you've got to think about, your identity, 
uh, whether or not you can wear a certain jumper in public, yeah. what sort of response you're going to get from people from just being yourself mm. to dating and the other things that you possibly have to think about as well. I just, yeah. thought, just your head must be full all the time. It's my second book title, Dating and Dushan. <laughs> I thought you was going to go with my head. Your head has to be full all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's a different that's one. The, that's the third the one. Next one. Um, no, it is. I mean, jokes aside, um, sex is um, a huge part of obviously. I mean, the clues in the title, sexuality, the word. Um, obviously, our community is so sexualized, and um, for right and wrong reasons. And um, I think that's one of the key things that you sort of. Well, I I grappled with a little bit growing up because. Obviously, um, it's our defining sort of feature at first in the sense of like between heterosexual or myself as a gay man, we're having sex differently. So that's sort of like the thing that you first think of. And um, it's interesting, it's uncomfortable. And I, I reference this and I think it's so important. Um, our education in school just does not set us up for um, the different sexualized experiences that we're going to have and i'm not saying that they should teach us in just school how to douche be handy, be <laughs> handy. messy <laughs> should probably be done in the science lab yeah, but i was um, going to say that's not like sticking a condom on a banana is it? it's not <laughs> it's a whole different visual that goes along with it. Oh, a whole different visual um yeah so um I think that it's just about, and I, I do reference this a lot actually, and education first. I think that we do need to be teaching um, children that um, sex can be um, obviously different for different people. It's not always good. Um, there's different ways of having it. Obviously, sexual health is so important, um, and we need to obviously continue that narrative. But I think for me growing up, I felt out of place and odd because I kind of had to learn on my own or I do reference this as well through porn um which... I think that's I think that's how a lot of youngsters learn most things and yeah I, I think sorry to interject there I was just gonna no, say yeah. like in terms of like body, body image is always a fascinating subject for me if you look at what people can get done now and what they're exposed to to what women have done to their vaginas to what men have done to their penises and are placed in porn if that's how you're picking up things mm. as well as all the other things that might be within that and how to get on and make it happen. You're going to grow up with a pretty skewed 100%. look on things. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I mean, gay porn, for example, really is not reflective of what gay sex is like. And I mean, sex is fantastic, obviously for like anyone who enjoys it and consents, obviously. Um, but it, what you see in porn, and I'm sure it's the same for um, heterosexuals, is not what you see in the reality. It's like can be messy, can be awkward, can be uncomfortable, can be a variety of different things. Um, and it, that's why it's so fascinating, actually, because I think like, and a lot of people, maybe you've got an opinion on this, didn't think I was, but I've kind of, I might project like funny comments or stuff like that, but I'm actually a little bit like of a prude in the sense of like, um, talking about actual my sex life is really I find quite uncomfortable um but I sat down obviously in that chapter with a sex worker who um does porn um and he was so fascinating it was so incredible how free he spoke about sex and um the sex work industry um and he did this incredible thing called um uh porn for prep um which is really um incredible and 
Um, PrEP is obviously, for anyone who doesn't know, is a drug that you can take um, that protects you from HIV. Um, and it's really, um, it's incredible um, that that is now available. And especially for the gay community who had um, a lot of stigmas attached to obviously HIV and AIDS. Um, it's so fantastic that this drug is available. And he did um, a porn, um, PrEP for porn or porn for PrEP. Apologies if I got that wrong. Um, and it's all about obviously like sexual health and obviously being smart and stuff. So there's really some brilliant things that come out of porn and um, it gets a really bad name. And I think sex in itself, kind of, like in my household, I reference sex was a bit of a swear word. I it's still it's, a taboo massively. I mean, yeah. I, I don't think most people that tuned into this, for example, if they've reached this point, would have expected us to be talking about sex. I certainly hadn't planned that, but I said to you, like with podcasts and so on. No one plans should plan sex. <laughs> but I think a bit like... Unless you need to douche, plan it. <laughs> <laughs> plan, yeah. But w- within that, it's... I like the organic flow of conversation, but when you talk about... And I think it's when you broke it's broken down from when you're younger, is love is sexualized to a certain degree anyway but actually there's there's almost this scale in between that no one ever speaks about like intimacy intimacy isn't just physical connection it's holding hands it's sharing a meme it's sharing a podcast laughing at the same things there's all these different variations incarnations of what love looks like so it is a bit skewed from that perspective growing up anyway but then you've got this added layer of sexuality and what you are and you aren't taught and where you have to go to to get that kind of information plus from what i gather as well from reading your book is there's an element of i don't want to say risk i I don't think risk is a fair descriptor but an element of worry and concern around what you've already referenced like hiv for example and being associated with yeah, massively. Um, I was actually asked the other day, do you do I think the um, stigma um, sort of is still there in this day and age? And I do think people still worry about it. Um, I definitely do. Um, even with things like PrEP and um, like we should be educated. Um, obviously, there's people that are undetectable, living with HIV, completely healthy um, and can't um, can't inf- transmit it, which is incredible. Um, but it's still a worry, it's still a concern, it's still something that obviously people live with and um, the historic history around obviously the LGBTQ plus community comes with those stigmas and comes with those like tombstones falling if you've got it, sort of adverts and stuff and it was, I mean, our parents obviously grew up in um, the 80s having kids and they grew up in that crisis, in that moment where um, my mum couldn't have a blood transfusion in hospital because... um, of the crisis they didn't weren't sure about the blood and stuff and lots of people went through that and so for my mom the first one of the first things she said when i came out was oh my gosh but i don't want you to get aids and it's like one it of those given. yeah and it's one of those things that our parents worried that we'd grow up and have it and it's a it's a real fear as well it is a real fear and i've i've got lots of fantastic friends um who are undetectable and um, they're living their life, um, a very healthy life. Um, and there are still stigmas around that. And there shouldn't be, absolutely shouldn't be, because um, you can live your life with it. Um, but obviously people do still fear it. And there is um, an argument to fear it as well. Mm. And I think that there's something that, until it's eradicated completely from our lives, um, it will still be a concern. But you can't well I can't think about sex and not think about those some of those things that come with it um but interestingly the heterosexual community actually is now higher in the heterosexual community really yeah because of prep 
because in the um, LGBTQ plus community, you're allowed to now go on prep. Um, so it sort of eliminates your chance of getting it as well. So what? what sorry, can you just? I, I, is that what is that like a, a medication? Like a, yes, it's a pill you take every day, and effectively it blocks um, you getting it. Basically. Oh, okay. Sort of like. I guess a female pill sort of thing. Oh, okay, so yeah. I wondered like whether that. it was like a like a like a condom or an, a, a tablet or I didn't... no, no, no. Yeah, prep. Um, so it's a pill. It's really a lot. Why are you <laughs> laughing? What? Because I'm I'm showing my ignorance. <laughs> no, it's good. <laughs> Why don't you watch prep for porn? <laughs> no, I don't think that's your demographic. It's it might, definitely it might, not. It might not be in my bag. So to speak. Um, but yeah, so it's really good. But sex, especially, um, and why I wanted to obviously have conversations about sex is because I did view it as a bit of a swear word growing up. I worried, um, obviously, as well about um, my own sexual experience because I was different to the majority of people in our group, um, and I was having sex differently. So of course, I can't speak to you about like what I'm doing or how do you do sh like questions like that? I just couldn't find. So you, you have to either find an outlet online or find your community. Mm -hmm. And it's hard. Well, because without showing our age too much, this was like before social media, this was dial up. Was it night? Dial up, what's that? I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's the reference you say to, you, you, you tell me that homosexual years are different to heterosexual years. Yeah. Yes, Dan, because what I'm saying is, you're a hundred okay, oh, okay. past a certain, past a certain age. Oh, I thought you were saying I'm a hundred. Would you rather I don't say my age as you were the same age? Absolutely. So there's cloak and daggers around your, your age, is that what you're saying? There's no cloak and daggers around my age. Everyone knows I'm mid-30s. Thank you very much. <laughs> also terrible to watch a horror movie with, if anyone else wants a, an assessment jumpy. of Dan. Yeah. I remember those times. Yeah. See, that, and that was nice, actually, because we obviously lived together at uni and... Um, like those nights were really fun like just having and actually that's really interesting as well because it was really important for me to um have um um part of a gay community sort of thing queer um community but also have um still be able to call, my... it, call us normos then or no, something like no. that or the heteros, the heteros. <laughs> but, it, but it was really the actually important <laughs> the muggles yeah <laughs> it was really important to have like the girls and the guys as well because like i wanted to i really think it's important for me and again my experience is very different from a lot of different people um but it's really important that you can have friends like and everyone can have friends from any community like a heterosexual man could be really best friends with a gay man um, and vice versa or any walk of life. You can be friends with different people and it's really important for me to retain those friendships because that in a sense was grounding me as well and I think like I was trying to find my sort of path and my way and who I was but it's really important not to lose different parts of me and I think actually what I've come to learn is I'm made up of all of those parts and like so having nights with you on the sofa and um screaming even though <laughs> which i did a lot um to horror movies just to let know. <laughs> i don't think anyone back else's to, mind no one else's to, mind was going anywhere else to the horror and, and cramming into our um cramming into our house makes me talk heroes 
Yes. That he downloaded. Oh was my a, God. That was a brilliant series, Heroes. That was a brilliant series. But, uh, Not a brilliant housemate, though. He snored a lot. He snored a lot, got drunk a lot, fell asleep in the bath a lot, left yeah. chips burning in the oven yeah. too early hours a, a lot. Acid housemate, wasn't he? Yeah. But genuinely, at those times, like, these little things, they, you know, it just wasn't... Uh, a thing and that's that's good like it was nice to be able to sit there and watch a movie with you and it not be a thing like this is the other thing like um we don't have to talk about sexuality all the time and if you've got any yeah if i'm sorry to it just feels like an irrelevant added detail but it's not it seems irrelevant to me but to you it's not is something that almost defined you for such a long time yeah unfortunately i would say it did and that's also not a bad thing like um, being part of um, the queer community is a fantastic thing and very accepting thing and um, it's a really good thing when you embrace it as well but it doesn't have to be your defining moment either and I think that's what I was sort of worried about as I grew up I was really worried that no I, I will not just be gay Dan I, I refuse I, will, I want to be Dan and I want to be my own thing and I think for so long I worried that that would be all I would be known for that I pushed so hard against it and realised actually that I didn't need to. And it's incredible that I have actually got a book out that actually says gay man talking. And I've embraced that the sort of thing because I realised that you can put yourself out there and be gay, but also just be you. And that's a lovely thing. Do, do you think there was an element of self-stigmatisation? A hundred percent. When you were going through that as yeah. well. Because uh, I, I can think about it from different aspects, obviously not relating to sexuality, but almost developing... Uh, I'm sorry, this is just my turn of phrase. So if it's inaccurate, let me know. But almost developing almost a little bit of a, a chip on your shoulder about it because you stigmatise yourself. Yeah. Whereas I like to think, hopefully, like within our friendship group is, again, it just wasn't a thing, like really thought about all of the time. It was. It's, it's like something you know, but you're not like that is that person. And the, the thing is, you're completely correct because it was a chip on my shoulder. It was a worry, and it was something that was eating away at me. Um, and sometimes I'd recognise that that's what was happening, and other times I'd be oblivious to it. Um, but it was something that I personally did carry, and it was, and often I think it is, your own problem. And it's like, it's like carrying any sort of not secret because people know about it but i often reference that coming out is like sweeping it under the carpet you move forward you don't want to talk about it anymore and that's what i did and i realized actually that it was my own fault because i should have been having these conversations as drip feeds like when they come up like you don't have to talk about sexuality all the time but when different scenarios come up and you feel comfortable to do so people are different so if you're talking about if you're with three guys who are heterosexual and they're talking about sex you should feel okay to be like okay you don't have to go into graphic details because most people don't want that anyway but you can talk about like oh yeah i had sex last well, week it's as well the same it's as you, fine it's the same as you probably wouldn't in any like regardless of sexuality you would go into graphic details exactly anyway. exactly yeah. and i just think for so long i held my breath and stopped talking and i'm angry at myself for doing that and it wasn't until I realised that actually having an opinion in an article I wrote for Cosmopolitan about being the gay best friend triggered so many different things that people were just like well I never knew that and I was just like well we've got to start talking and that's what I hope the book encourages people to do because no one should lose their voice when they come out it's actually about finding it. Mm. 
And that's part of the reason I wanted this conversation. So all of that said about sexuality, if you had to introduce yourself to someone, not what you do, not your sexuality, how would you best describe yourself? Wow. I like people to know of you. Oh my goodness, man, that's hard. Didn't warn you about that one, did I? I guess I would just... So if I'm meeting someone for the first time, I was I go through this thing, and I think a lot of people do, um, where they apologise for themselves or don't talk too much about themselves. I do. And so now I'm really trying hard to embrace conversations and stuff um, because people say, live in this moment because... It might not be like I've had a book out. You might never have an, another one. Um, you might never get this moment again. So I'm trying to embrace it. So I guess what I would say if I would introduce myself just as Dan, I'm a broadcast editor, got a book out. If people want to know, like I'm not going to ram it down their throat. <laughs> Follow me on Instagram. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal, did you know? <laughs> no, I would just be me. I would just like say, um, hi. And also I really want to get to know to people as well like so it's a two-way street and um i date a lot so i went on a date last night what over 100 i read in your book that was in one year one year yeah um but i went on a date last night and um you do have those conversations where you just have to introduce yourself Mm -hmm. and be you and i think that's one thing that for i reference in the book a lot uh, I, i start the book by saying am i proud and i end the book asking the same question and for so long I wasn't proud of who I am and I was scared of my voice being too high I was scared that my walk was a bit mincy or um had an air of being gay or whatever or I wore something a little bit too homo um (laughs) but I think for so long I worried about so many different things that I lost who I was and now I guess I'm kind of just like happy to just be me and I haven't changed but I've grown yeah that's slightly a big ask to put you on the spot as well because i think there is i know i'm a horrible friend we've already said this but there's a natural part of it that is a bit guarded when we go into introducing any new person because i i for one i hate talking about myself and i think self-deprecation is just a bit of a british thing Mm. like none of us want to appear like we're bragging about anything but also with vulnerability is there's you need an element of vulnerability reflected back at you it's very difficult to be entirely open and honest with someone if you feel like they're withholding a little bit Mm. which from just speaking about my own experience with therapy is although the act of speaking and sharing those things is incredibly cathartic is that is the only thing and and from a self-preservation point of view that as a professional job is you can't give your entire being over to the people you're working with but there's almost still a little bit of yourself you hold back because you know they can't entirely be honest with you i think that's life as well like that's um, why i love journaling i was was just going to add to that as well that's why i like the act of writing yeah but that's actually kind of what my book is as well it's like a lot of my voice throughout the book and my feelings but it's so true I think that I'm I'm encouraging people to be open and honest um, and have these conversations and I'm so much better for it Um, but I'm still not there and I reference at the end of the book am I proud it's still a question because I've still got a long way to go because I we do naturally hide things about ourselves we do naturally like walk on eggshells sometimes um and there are still scenarios especially with sexuality where you can't be yourself you can't wear a jumper that says stay homo you can't be out there because it's dangerous Mm -hmm. and it's not safe sometimes and as much as I will always campaign I will stand um, at Pride, I will put a flag up. I will be happy to support my community. There are still areas of your life you've got to be sensible and protect as well. Mm-hmm. And it's about protecting yourself. And that goes with 
every walk of life and every sexuality, um, we are guarded and we're, we're layers and we're just breaking through those layers. And you just want to hope that you get the good friends or the good partner or the good family that peel back those layers and find you. But again, you say there about safety, something that perhaps not everyone thinks about. So some another layer of, of something that goes on in your brain is that are you putting yourself in an environment that isn't safe for someone like you, which is just, yeah. again, something a lot of us don't have to worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And it just stems back to lots of different things. I mean, it's not just um, the LGBTQ plus community. It's like obviously different religions, different races. We have got to understand each other and embrace each other and listen and respect each other and make people feel comfortable because ultimately at the end of the day when you feel comfortable you can talk mm. i'd like to add kind considerate thoughtful and deep to the things that i would use to describe you just in case you weren't going to use those maybe don't go in with deep on the first day i mean you could i don't know it depends on what the first day is yeah. but as long as you do <laughs> i think that is a perfect note to finish there actually dan i appreciate you genuinely i love you Love you thank too. you so much for sharing all that i do love your book as well and thank you for having this conversation thanks for having me it's been an absolute pleasure if anyone else does enjoy this it's that one isn't it please do subscribe like share with a friend maybe if it's mildly more interesting than white noise dan would appreciate it i would appreciate it and the only way we keep these conversations going is if they reach as many people as possible so thank you for listening